Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of God is Not a Theory with Ken Fish. I'm your host, Grant Pemberton, and on today's episode, it's just us. It's Ken and I, and we are talking about the Fusion Conference. We're a couple of weeks out uh, from it. After the fact, we've tried to recover, and we are um, we're going to sort of dissect it, talk about what happened, talk about some stories, and, uh, and maybe what's the plans for next year. So, uh, Ken, you're joining us from Dallas. Is that right? Today it's Dallas. Yeah. Today it's Dallas. Yesterday it was Houston. The day before that it was Bangkok. You just never know with <laughs> Ken. <laughs> oh man. Well, um, what what are you what are you feeling? I mean, that was a a pretty intensive feat to pull off um, for you for the team and. Uh, and, you know, how are you feeling after this? It was, I think it was one of the larger things that you've put on. Um, I know that you do the conference um, with your, uh, the students and all of that sort of thing. But I think this is one of the largest things that you've put on, at least in recent years. Um, how are you feeling? Yeah, I think we're all feeling pretty good about it. Um, it was, you know, it was a big effort, of course. And anyone who organizes events like this knows that they take a lot of work. You know, it's funny when you think about the gifts of the spirit, most of us think immediately of things like healing or deliverance or prophecy or, you know, whatever, depends on which way you are shaped. Maybe you think of prophecy first ahead of healing, uh, whatever, but, but we tend to think of gifts like that. But, you know, Paul says in first Corinthians 12, that um, administration is right behind uh, apostles, prophets, yeah. uh, and teachers. And so it's, it's an interesting, uh, thing, administration and similar type gifts. I, I want to say maybe gifts like helps. Um, these are often, uh, I don't know. They're just overlooked. I, I just don't think people think about them. It's not even that they're consciously trying to suppress them. They just don't really give them a lot of thought, but, but seriously, you, you can't, carry off an event uh, like this without people who have good administrative skills. We had 70 volunteers who were working everything from parking to prayer team to uh, hospitality. And if you don't have people with those kinds of gifts, it's not going to work. And then, um, of course, you need these more, you know, charismatic, visible, supernatural type gifts to have a conference on prophecy and miracles. Uh, so obviously that's necessary. But I think what this really showed was um, a spectrum of the gifts of the spirit on display. And one of the things that really struck me about this event on the plus side um, was after the fact, quite a few people, I mean, a, a large number, I don't mean just two or three, a very large number of people have said to me or written to me saying um, this was the best conference I ever attended, which to me was like, ever really? <laughs> um, I'm, I mean, I'm gratified, but, but wow. And then the other thing that many more have said, maybe they didn't say it was the best they've ever attended, but they said it was the best they've attended in many, many years. And a lot of people seem to appreciate that this was not, just the same old, same old. And uh, people appreciated the impartation times. And uh, there were some, uh, there was some public call out type uh, prophetic ministry. 
And um, a few people that I know received healings um, that, you know, they've been after for a while. I think people appreciated seeing different ways of expressing the gifts. Mm -hmm. All of us have our own natural style or shape. Mine tends to be more, I don't know, downplayed or down to earth, something like that. Um, some people are a little more, I don't even know what word to use. They're just more uh, animated, I guess, uh, in their presentation. You, different people, um, I don't know, they what they do when they're on stage, they may have different ways of doing things. So I think people appreciated seeing these uh, different ways of expressing the gifts. The scripture even says there are varieties of gifts and there are varieties of operations, which which literally means the way in which they operate isn't necessarily the same from person to person. And even if we take something like prophecy, well, what kind of prophecy? Are we giving people their names and their uh, street address? Are we giving people uh, a sense of their calling and destiny, what God is speaking to them about and what they're going to be doing? Those aren't necessarily the same operation of the gift of prophecy. And so I think people appreciated that diversity. Uh, another thing that people have said to me is, I mean, it was pretty intense, right? There, The days were long. There were not many breaks. We had them, but not many, and they weren't long. But I said up front that fusion occurs in a very heated and very pressurized environment. And I... I explained that briefly in my first talk. I didn't really dwell on it, um, and no one else did either. And then I mentioned it again at the end when I gave my last talk. I, I don't think people fully realized that this was meant to be a, an immersive type experience. And uh, no, they're not going to be in the center of the sun or, you know, <laughs> at the ground zero of the detonation of a of a hydrogen bomb. <clears throat> but on some level, the the pressurization of the experience was part of the overall fusion experience. It was intentional. Um, I would adjust a bit for the next one if we did a next one. But, um, but on this one, I thought it was important for us to have that uh, pressurization. And even the fact that we had speakers set up the way we did uh, because at least in fusion, there is a chain reaction effect that needs to happen. And so the speakers were consciously ordered together by topics, uh, by personality style. And in fusion, you know, one of the things that happens is you get the nuclei of hydrogen atoms, primarily hydrogen atoms. You can fuse other atoms, but it becomes more difficult the higher the uh, atomic number of the, uh, of the elements being fused. So, for example, carbon has the atomic number six because it has six protons. Uh, hydrogen has the atomic number one. Helium has the atomic number of two because helium and or hydrogen and helium respectively have one and two protons. The more protons in the nucleus, the more difficult fusion becomes. And so um, most of the fusion that goes on anywhere in the universe is of hydrogen. And one of the things that, that physicists know uh, is that one of one thing that makes fusion difficult is that the positive charges on those protons cause them to repel one another. They don't want to get near one another because the electrical charge forces them apart. 
it's like if you take a magnet it, i used to play with magnets when i was a kid although i don't even know if they even sell them in hardware stores anymore but you know a magnet has a positive and a negative pole or a north and a south pole and if you put the the if you take two magnets and put them together if the north and south poles are together or the positive and negative poles are together they attract and and lock uh, but if you put the two positive poles together or the two north poles together depends on which way you were taught to say this uh, then they tend to repel and so um you know one of the things that was that was going on in the conference as well I wouldn't I wouldn't say everybody was a positive or everybody was a negative. And in any way, in our minds, positive and negative have certain connotations. I don't necessarily want to insert into my comments here. But uh, bottom line, you have to take things that might not otherwise have come together or we're trying to take things that are there are natural barriers to their mingling. Um, and that's not to say these speakers didn't like each other or know each other. I'm not at all implying that. So please don't go where I'm not going. I'm just saying you have to take things that might not naturally have happened in order to get a certain outcome. And all of that was conscious and intentional. There was nothing that happened in that speaker lineup or even in the subject matter that we that we asked them to present that was accidental. And I think I think we achieved our result. I think I think we achieved fusion. And the few and the fruit of that or the proof of it is I'm getting tons of reports from people who are telling me uh, I'm operating at a higher level. I'll just say that now, which area of gifting, it depends on them and what they do and all of that. But they're operating at a higher level. And so we achieved something that released a tremendous amount of energy as we said, happens in fusion. Now, all of this is obviously an extended metaphor. No, there was no fusion reaction. No, there was no detonation of any nuclear you know, bomb. No, nothing like that. But, but the, the effect was, was fusile. And, um, and I'm excited to see the outcome. But certainly I, myself, uh, in Houston this weekend, we saw the effect of it in the ministry times, um, higher levels of clarity prophetically, um, tremendous breakthrough power, especially during the impartation times. And um, others are reporting this too. This isn't just my own experience. I just, I can speak of my own more fully. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm overall very happy with uh, what happened with this event. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was thinking uh, as you were talking, you know, really what the, in, in my mind, what came together so well, and you think about even how the speakers were lined up, was the word and the spirit. You know, and, and there, there's been a lot of talks that I've heard recently about how we need to have both of those things back and present. And it's almost like a reclaiming or rediscovery. Um, and I think that's when I talk to people and people, people talk to me about it, I believe that was the thing that they're so refreshed about, so excited about was you had these, you know, Bible scholars uh, in the midst of these, uh, you know, prophets and healers. And it was, I mean, it was, like you said, it was, it was a charged reaction uh, that honestly, I, I didn't anticipate uh, even, even in the way that uh, it continued to increase over the conference, you know, from, from night one and all the way through to Saturday night, it seemed like the, 
the power level, so to speak, was getting higher and higher and higher and higher. Um, And it's where it was almost, um, almost disruptive, even in some, you couldn't even get in some of the breakout panel discussions. It would, it would, the power would break out and, you know, things, things would just sort of shift. It was, it was quite phenomenal. And it it felt like, even though it was very intensive, it felt like people could have stayed there for weeks. Like nobody was just itching to get out, you know, because just saw so so much of the Holy spirit just breaking out all over the place. It was just uh, phenomenal. So yeah, I agree. On that theme, uh, one of the things I noticed was if you go to many conferences, you know, there's kind of a midday lull. People take naps, they take a long lunch to meet with their friends, whatever it is, but, but there's a midday lull that commonly happens. And to be clear, just to define our terms, uh, I'm not saying that the place empties out completely, but it's 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 enough that you notice it. Uh, it might be a dip of 20% or maybe 30 uh, while people go do those other things. And then, you know, what they tend to focus on is the morning and evening sessions. We didn't really have a midday lull. Mm-hmm. There might have been a few people who nicked off to go do something, but the vast majority of people were there for the whole time. And I think the workshops were as good as the main sessions. That's the other thing. A lot of times people think, well, a workshop, you know, eh, I can take it or leave it. It's the main session where it really happens. And stuff went on in the main sessions. But I I myself went and visited the workshops. And um, again, I thought they were as good and as strong as the main sessions. And one of the things we wanted to create, and we did, <laughs> was we wanted people to have internal uh, conflict over which workshop should I go to? I don't want to go. I don't want, I want to go to both. I don't want to miss anything. And a lot of people are coming saying, well, is there any way? Well, no, you got to pick one. I mean, it's just, and and we wanted that effect because, um, you know, basically people are forced to select where do I want to emphasize or specialize or grow the most? Well, I want to grow in all of it. I know you can grow in that other the next time maybe, but which one are you going to pick? There are some times in life when you can't, I mean, and I've done this. Sometimes I go to the store, I need a new shirt and I see two that I like. I don't want to pick. So I buy both shirts. I didn't want people buying both shirts. Um, I wanted them to have to choose. Um, And part of it is because I think if we have a singular focus on something, we tend to get it. And therefore, while we can't maybe advance equally in every area, the same, at least not at the same time. Um, Notwithstanding that, we if we get focused on something, we tend to get more progress in that area. Yeah, no, and and you know it's it was interesting too. Even the speakers stayed around all day, and uh, which is rare because they're pretty busy and and are trying to catch up on emails and all of that sort of stuff. But you saw that as well, uh, which you don't see. I I've never seen uh, in any of the events that I've you know been a part of. Uh, because there was this sense of like they were going to each other's uh, stuff again, not something you see um, that's typical, and especially you know at the at the level of the, the speakers and all of that sort of thing. And there it was just there was a high sense of camaraderie, there was a high sense of um, ex- expectancy uh, amongst everyone, and it was just a, it was a pretty sweet sweet moment uh, the whole the whole weekend uh, or week I guess, but uh, yeah, it was it was quite unusual. Uh, but very good. Yeah. And, you know, it was it was challenging getting this conference to happen. 
we didn't really play that up. Um, but, but it was very, very challenging. Uh, we had, we had significant facilities issues. Uh, we had one facility lined up that after having agreed to let us be there, they just backed away and said, we can't do it and didn't give us a really a reason. They just said no. And so we had to go find a new facility and we signed that one up, but then there was a problem there. And then we to solve that, we had to split into two different locations. And even though on a map, they didn't look very far apart and based on input I'd been given, I said on, well, not this specific podcast, but on this show, this in the run-up to it, I said they're about five minutes apart. That was actually not correct at all. They were about five miles apart and you couldn't drive 60 miles an hour between them. So it wasn't going to be five minutes, but then it turned out there was road construction and commute traffic. And so it was more like 40 minutes apart, even though it was only five miles. Um, and it, I mean, all of this just created all kinds of issues uh, like what happened to us with our technical audio visual. And um, it, so the, the people that were running that they had to move from one facility to another. And, you know, one facility was easier to work with than the other in terms of just the access they were giving us to their uh, internet connectivity. And so we were, we were fighting with that. Uh, there were just, there were just a lot of issues. And because of that 40 minute commute to go five miles, uh, the time they should have had for uh, setup and, um, you know, testing and checking, that was greatly diminished. It wasn't zero, but it wasn't as much as, as it turned out they needed. So we, we had to overcome that. By the, by the time we got to Friday, I think things were running fairly smoothly, but Wednesday night and Thursday in particular, these were not fun days for our audiovisual team. And uh, anyone who was watching the live stream certainly noticed that at times the signal dropped out uh, or the sound quality degraded or the picture was not as clear as it should have been. Again, we got it fixed. We got there. But I don't know. People can call it spiritual warfare. And I guess in a way it was. I don't know if the devil was himself behind it. Maybe he was. Maybe he wasn't. All I know is um, there was a lot of stress around those kinds of issues as we were trying to pull this off. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, and it was a great crew. I mean, they, they did the best they could and, uh, you know, and, and all of that, but it was certainly, it was quite a feat. You know, I think we learned, we learned a lot. Uh, that's for sure. That's for sure. Which is, you know, why I think, uh, this is a good time to, to talk about uh, what you and I were talking about before, uh, just sort of going into why, um, if people missed it, you know, if they weren't able to be there, if they didn't stream live, uh, why they're not going to be able to to purchase. Uh, we're not trying to tease. Uh, we're not trying to uh, uh, to mess with people. But Kim, why don't you speak a little bit to that uh, like you were speaking about before? Well, yeah, we've had a few inquiries, not too many, but a few uh, from people wanting to buy the conference um, after the fact. We're not going to be offering the conference for sale. And there, there are a few reasons for this. One of them is, I said in advance, I don't think we're going to offer it for sale. And, you know, there, there is this principle that I don't think Christians pay close enough attention to. It's a matter of integrity at its core. 
Um, and that principle is what Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. Let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. Anything other than this comes from the evil one. Now, I, I, I don't think we want to become too, too, too rigid about that for the simple reason that there are times conditions change, circumstances change, and we realize that what we initially said isn't, isn't actually the right thing to do. But um, in this case, we really wanted people, if they could, to attend in person or secondarily to stream in because we knew that the nature of the event was going to be, um, well, you'd get the highest and best usage from it. You'd get the most benefit from it by being in the room. Now, having said that, I'm aware that sometimes people either can't afford to travel uh, to the event or maybe they don't have the time to come because of other commitments in their lives. And so even if they had a great desire to be there, they just couldn't be there. And, you know, there's no condemnation in this. There's no shaming going on. But notwithstanding that, um, the real, the, the best experience was going to be to be present. And I think in the aftermath of COVID, a lot of people have fallen into this mentality of, well, if I can't go, I'll just buy the videos. And you can do that. But there have been numerous studies done um, on uh, digital content that, you know, is available on online, wherever you get it, whatever topic it is from whomever. And they found that um, less than 5% of people who buy, you know, recordings ever watch them because people are busy and their days are full of whatever their days are normally full of. And just like they would have had to create a window to be there, they now have to create a window in which to watch. Now, it is easier if you can break it down into chunks and digest it over, say, four to 10 weeks. Um, so that becomes an easier task. Do a little bit every day or something or, you know, watch an hour of it once a week, something like that. Um, but I, I'm, I'm aware that there's, there remains a high probability that people would never actually get around to it. And that actually leads me to my second reason why we don't want to offer this for sale. And that is, um, aside from the matter of what we said in advance, we did have these significant technical problems with our audio and visual. And um, part of that, part of the result of that is that, uh, like James Gall's session on the first night, we only captured half of the session. And the rest was lost uh, because of the, you know, the dropout. Yours truly. Now, I had a shorter session on night one, and it was intended to be shorter. Um, I only spoke 15 minutes, and that was that was what I'd allotted. Um, but my session wasn't captured, <laughs> and I organized the conference. So I'm not saying that because I'm bitter or I'm sucking my thumb. I'm just saying it because, you know, if we can't even capture the organizer, my goodness, something was really going wrong. And as a result, the, the videos and the audio, one or the other or both, um, on Wednesday night and parts of Thursday were significantly compromised. And I don't want to sell substandard material. One of my other high values is uh, whatever you do, you do as unto the Lord. And if you're doing what you do is unto the Lord, then we're looking for excellency in all that we do. Yes, sometimes there are environmental factors or things beyond our control 
which cause us not to do as excellently as we might want to do. I think that was the case here. I don't think anybody was looking to do shoddy work or to broadcast in a poor manner. Uh, but nevertheless, that's one of my principles and one of my values. And so I don't want to sell people, you know, a portion of the session with James Gall or have them, you know, be missing a whole speaker or two because there were some others that we didn't capture fully. And then one of the other things that we, um, you know, that we knew going in because of the configuration of our facilities, we knew we would not be able to video record all of the workshops. Uh, in fact, we weren't really seeking to record the workshops. Uh, in, in, in all cases on each day, one of the workshops was held in our main auditorium area. That one got recorded, but again, maybe not at the highest quality, particularly on Thursday. I think by Friday, Saturday, we had things pretty well worked out, but the the uh, Thursday one was not so great. And so um, if people were to buy thinking, oh, I'm getting the conference. No, you're only getting part of the conference because we didn't even we didn't record those other workshops. They were literally lost to us. And one of the one of the things we took away from that is, man, we should have just left an iPad, you know, on the speaker's podium in each of the workshops, if for no other reason than just to capture the audio recording, even without the video so that we would have it. But we didn't do that. Uh, should we have? Yeah, we should have. Um, did we think of it in advance? Yeah, but probably not fully enough. And I don't know if we had that many iPads floating around loose to to do the recordings with. But the bottom line is, um, we didn't, we can't provide people with a full experience because of either missing recordings or this workshop issue that I'm just describing. And so we don't, we don't want to give people a, a less than experience. Uh, if we were to do conferences of this nature in the future, would we pay more attention to that? Yeah, we probably would, uh, but this one we didn't. And so unfortunately for those who didn't uh, buy it in advance to watch the stream, now those people who did that, they are getting to watch what was on the stream for a month and then it's all taken down. Uh, but we won't be we won't be offering anything for sale. There's also some logistical and remuneration issues that go with a a, a conference like this if we're going to start selling after the fact um, because our speakers deserve to be compensated. That creates additional work for our organization, and I think we have enough going on. We didn't want to add more to our plate, so that'd be our third reason why we're not doing it. So unfortunately for those who weren't able to attend, you just, you missed it. Um, I mean, it's not like you missed the one true end time arch apostolic prophetic miraculous outpouring, and you will never ever be able to get this again. A lot of people walk around these days with FOMO fear of missing out. Uh, I don't want to, I don't want to foster FOMO in our listeners, uh, but I also don't want to mislead them. So uh, yeah, that's it. There, you just, it came, it went, it was fantastic. Um, and if we should do another event in the future, then hopefully you'll be able to join us there. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about, uh, reports that are coming in, um, and how people can continue to send reports. So, uh, I know that we've heard each of us have heard, I heard two yesterday, um, of healings that occurred. Uh, in in the sessions um, and I know that you're hearing a lot your team is hearing a lot if people are listening to this and they want to send 
um, you know, reports. Now I know there's a couple of things that they can do. I know there's a survey out there that if, uh, if folks listening to this, if they attended, they should fill it out because it helps, uh, it helps us, um, do, do a better job next time. If there is a next time and, and learn from this, how can they access that survey? Do you know? You know, I actually don't know how that uh, has been distributed. Julia's in charge of that. She does a lot of that kind of work for us. Uh, probably the if they want a copy of the survey, their easiest way to get a hold of it. I'm sure it's posted somewhere, but I I just I don't well, know what it is. Is they can I know I know it's in the God is not a theory uh, um, Facebook group. The uh, the Orbis. That's true. It is yep. there. So if you are part of our God is not a theory Facebook group, it's a private group. You can't search it. You've got to be added to it. If you're in the group already, you can find that link there. I know we did post it there. If you're not part of that group, by the way, and you would like to be part of the group, send a message to Brian Orbis, B-R-Y-A-N, B-R-Y-A-N, Orbis, O-R-B-I-S. Um, and that's a Facebook name. And Brian will add you to the group. Um, and a third option would be uh, to request the link. And I was going to tell you to get in touch with Julia, but Brian handles a lot of this interface as well. So you could send a message on Facebook to Brian Orbis and ask for the link to the marketing survey on Fusion. Um, and a fourth way that you could do it is you could send an email to info at orbisministries.org. And we'll email that link back to you. Great, great. So I'll just tell you the one I heard uh, yesterday. I heard two. Um, one was it's pretty amazing. It was this uh, this mom who brought her kids um, to the conference, and uh, their baby had significant um, I don't know what you call it constipation issues. I mean, this is a young child, maybe six seven months old, and um, and so she brought her, uh, her baby and I think it was Jeremy Nelson. She said, had a word of knowledge, uh, about someone's with issues of tailbone. Well, there was an issue of the sacrum, something being out of whack on the baby. So she didn't think about it. She, it wasn't, it was a different word. Um, the baby was actually in the middle of breastfeeding while this word came, came out and stopped, looked at her. And started started screaming at her at the mom when the word of knowledge came, uh, and she it just sort of you know broke her out of the of like the lull of being you know, so she raised her hand. They got prayer immediately. Uh, the baby has a bowel movement and hasn't had any problems since. And this is something like it would be once a month they would go to doctors. It was this whole um, thing for their family. It was a nightmare and uh immediate healing and hasn't uh hasn't gone back it's been what three weeks now wow. and um so i thought that was just incredible you know just even the whole interaction um where it was like the baby knew um that the word was for her even before the mom did which i, I just thought was so cool uh and then uh, the other one was from uh, a, another woman who you know basically sh said if it feels like i've been asleep for five to ten years and i've just woken up and you know, all of this stuff I knew about, you know, and, and have operated on some level, but it's just the accuracy and the frequency and um, all of that is just, you know, through the roof uh, for her now. And uh, 
and I could, I could keep going. I, I'm, I'm now thinking of other people that have said the same things. Um, actually having like physical angelic encounters in the night since this happened, you know? And, uh, and so it's just, it's just, those are just a, a sampling uh, of some of the things. What, what have you heard? Have you heard any pretty amazing ones? You know, this one isn't quite as, I don't know. Um, it doesn't have the shock effect of what you just said, but one of, one of my friends, uh, actually one of my TAs in our school, um, she's had a long-term problem with sciatic pain and uh, Jeremy called her out during one of his sessions. And by the way, I want to be clear, this isn't all about Jeremy because the other speakers were doing things too. But, but anyway, this one happens to be a Jeremy one and her sciatic got healed. And so she has no more problems with that, but she is still having some other issues with her back skeleton alignment of hips that she didn't realize she had because the sciatic was so predominant that she wow. didn't realize all the other. And so now she's just dealing with the other in kind of a conventional way. And so these other more chronic long-term things that have been going on, they are resolving, I would say, according to a natural pattern, but they were so inhibited because of the sciatic that it's turning into a comprehensive healing, part of it supernatural and part of it natural which, you know, we always say naturally supernatural. So right. on the one hand, that's not bad, but it's not what we expect. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, it, it was, I, I'm, I'm going over now so many, so many healings of people coming up at the conference saying, I got healed. I can't, you know, I can't believe it. All of that. I mean, we had, can we had like a glory cloud show up? Yeah, that's right. Uh, we it's had angels flying around the room. I yeah. mean, it, it was wild. I mean, it, Jeremy has a, on video. Did you see his video? Of I did. A literal I, angel. Yeah. 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 And uh, I texted him to get that video. I haven't gotten it yet. So I'm, I'm going to try to get it. But uh, yeah, I mean, that was, I think, Friday night was when that happened. That sounds correct to me. Yes, yeah. I think. I think it was Friday night. It was a night session and we were not at um christ church anymore we bethel right night, yeah yeah but yeah, yeah. there was a glory cloud and for those who don't know what that is um this is when something of the shekinah glory appears in the room uh bethel had a large one that was laced with gold glitter some years ago i don't remember how far back now it might have been 10 years ago if you go look for bethel glory cloud on youtube you can see it um, because they did a that somebody did a very good job of capturing it on video. Similarly, we had one wasn't quite as large, but it was there and it was on for us the left side of the room if you were facing the stage. Um, and Grant, you and I were talking about it and pointing to it, and a few people were messaging me. I didn't see the messages at the time because I had my phone in my pocket, uh, but they were messaging me saying, "What were you and Grant pointing to?" Because the cameras weren't pointed up there. So that wasn't captured on camera. And Jeremy, yeah, the angels were were coming around and he pulled out his phone. And he, he literally did video an angel as it crossed the room. And at one point, my daughter, Rebecca, uh, was in the lead um, with the worship. And Jeremy was standing next to me and he goes, man, there's something on that girl. Uh, there's thousands of angels that just came into the room when she started into that. 
And I said, well, that's my daughter, Rebecca. And he goes, no way. So he didn't know that it was my daughter. He wasn't just buttering my ears. Uh, and, you know, and something really did shift. Everybody in the room commented on what was that that happened? And so whether or not they were aware by either seeing or, you know, hearing or whatever that there was angelic presence in the room, this was going on. So we had a lot of pretty amazing stuff like that that was popping up kind of throughout the throughout the event yeah and and both you and i i mean we're we're not really sensationalists so we're we're not going to uh just say things and hope that that's true um bethel we don't even have access to their duct work to put glitter in the duct work if uh you know as people have accused other uh at the church we were at you know it wasn't even our church um but it was, and we looked at it for a long time and looked at the other, you know, tried to try to make sure that we weren't just seeing like dust or something fall through, through the lights, but uh, it was pretty significant. And um, what was so cool is I think, cause we were all on stage. And so, you know, people would whisper, I, I'm feeling this or whatever. And uh, so many people before this started happening uh, had these visions or, or, or thoughts about there's angels here for this. There's angels here for that. And, um, and then boom, you know, I just started uh, taking off, which was just uh, amazing. So that was Friday night. And then it just continued to increase Saturday during the day. Uh, and then, and then Saturday night was sort of the, uh, the crescendo where um, I'm not even sure. I don't even remember how it ended because I was praying for someone and they were having some pretty, significant uh <laughs> reactions and so i'm not even sure what happened saturday night to be honest with you um but it was uh it was amazing it, it was just um it was it was just amazing and so i think that leads us in as we're sort of landing this plane actually Can, yeah okay um because it, it, this is a kind of a new addition that that you don't even know about but my own uh, pastor of the church that Beth and I attend when we're home, well, she's home a lot, uh, but when I'm home, uh, this is where I go to church. Um, so he was so blown away by what happened that he, and, and by the way, a prophetic word had come forth in our church. I wasn't there to hear it, but he told me about it, uh, that there was going to be some significant move of God in the realm of the prophetic in the month of December. And so in the aftermath of fusion, um, I'm back in California and he and I often get together and we'll have breakfast or lunch, uh, whether or not I have been in church that week. It's just part of my, I, I like him. He's my friend, <laughs> but I'm also checking in and I'm trying to remain accountable to my pastor. Um, it's, it's an interesting relationship because I'm older than he is by a fair amount, uh, but I don't, I don't have any desire for his pulpit. So there's no threat. And we, we work very collaboratively and, you know, a lot of times he's asking me for input on things. And so even though I'm not part of the board, I still, I don't know, I'm part of his advisory council, I guess. By the way, there's no formal title like that. I'm just more describing functionally what happens there. Anyway, he, he really felt like he wanted to have, um, a prophetic school of some kind. And so he wanted to know if we could put something like that together. And so really at his impetus, not mine, 
and I'm not organizing it. I talked to our organization about it because he wanted to know, did we want to run it? And they were all like, we're pretty tired from running Fusion. I don't think we want to do another one of these. But for anyone who could be interested in this, we are going to have a school of prophecy at my home church. Um, so this will be in the Los Angeles area. And that's going to be the first week of December. Uh, no. Well, it, it trails into the first week of December. Emma Stark and I, but without the rest of them, will be doing training um, in this prophet's school in Lomita, California. It's it's the Los Angeles area. Lomita is spelled L-O-M-I-T-A. Lomita, California. L-O-M-I-T-A. Um, it's a much smaller facility than we had for Fusion. And I imagine it will sell out. So if you're interested, you should sign up immediately, lest you not get your ticket. Uh, this will obviously be most interesting to people who live in Southern California, but LA has good air connections to everywhere. LAX is about eight miles away. So flying in and getting to the facility would not be a problem. There's plenty of hotels in the general area. So again, finding a place to stay wouldn't be a big problem. Um, the best way to find this is go to the Facebook page of Jesus Center. That's the name of the church, Jesus Center. And I imagine there's probably a lot of Jesus centers in the world. So you want the one in Lomita, California. There'll be a link there and you can sign up for the uh, Prophets School in Lomita, California. All right. There we go. That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, so what do you think? Uh, how are you feeling? You, you think this is going to be the start of something beautiful uh, do you think that uh, that this is going to be something that uh, people can can expect? I know you and I have had uh, a couple of conversations. It was not good timing because it was during the event. And so it was like we couldn't even imagine uh, doing this again. But where are you at right now? What do you, I know you want to hear from the Lord. I know you don't want it to be just a good idea. You want it to be uh, the Lord's idea. So where, where are you at in this? Well, we're thinking about it um, and praying about it. Lots of people have asked, when's the next one? In fact, they were asking about it at the conference. And of course, best practice with conferences is you, you announce at the conference when the next one is so people can block their dates. Uh, we would need to get a facility. We could end up, if we did it, uh, back at Bethel World Outreach, but I don't know what their calendar supports. So we have to have a, a discussion with them. Um I will say this, if we were to do another one, we probably would not call it fusion. Fusion was a specific topic, I guess. And I don't know that we, um, I don't know that we, that we would stay on that topic as good as it was. Uh, so after a fusion reaction occurs, there is the next um, and we might think about what would that next be? Uh, you know, when you have fusion going on in a star, uh, there are things that, that result from that fusion reaction. We might think about the next step. I'm not saying we will do that, but that's, that's one possible direction. Uh, maybe we would have a completely different topic altogether that doesn't even follow the theme of fusion or nuclear reactions. I don't know. Um, so we, we really would need the mind of the Lord. 
one of the other issues we had, or would have, I think, is to get this speaker lineup, we had to plan about 18 months in advance. Some of them are very, very busy speakers, and they are booked well into the future. And so to just pick up the phone or send an email or a text and say, hey, are you free, you know, in six months to do that? No. Why are you even asking me this? Of course, I'm not free. You could ask me a year from the date you just gave me, and maybe I could do it then. So I don't know who we could get again of this speaker lineup, maybe some of them, but but probably not all of them. I know, for example, I was chatting with Kim Moss. Uh, I had breakfast with her and her husband uh, right after the conference because I was in their town. Uh, and she told me that she's pretty much booked out for 2024. So if we wanted Kim Moss again, I mean, she might try to help us, but I don't know if we could get her. And many of our speakers have calendars like that. So we might have uh, issues with getting, you know, the right kind of lineup to suit whatever topic we might pick. Uh, then we have to think about facilities. We cannot go through the brain damage we went through with facilities again, period. And if, if it turned out we were going to run into such a problem, I would just cancel the event. I wouldn't do it. I'd refund everybody's money and say, we simply can't do the event. We're sorry. Uh, maybe we'll see in a year from now. But but I would never, ever go through that kind of brain damage. Um, all of the just headaches and the transferring back and forth between facilities. I mean, we made it work where there's a will, there's a way. Um, I think the churches we were working with were you know, as kind and gracious as they could be, but but they're, they have their own sort of, what do you want to say, life to lead congregationally, and they can't just bend themselves into pretzels on our account. I don't want to go through that again. So there's a lot well, of I, reasons it might not happen. Yeah, I think even with that, I mean, we, we had everything locked up for a while and then it last minute fell apart. And so we were scrambling. In the scramble, I found some really great, ideas and so uh that would be uh we we couldn't get it because it was so short notice but if we have notice we start planning i think i've i've got some great ideas of uh of what to do the next time that would make it uh, an even better experience and so you know i think um i think it was a good location as far as the centrality of nashville to uh everyone in the country you know and i think um i think we even had people flying in uh, from all over the world. And I would just say, because so many of you have reached out and came, I think um, half our church was Aussie on Sunday morning. And uh, because, <laughs> because of so many folks uh, from Australia, shout out uh, to the land down under. But I would even say, and we haven't talked about this, but it might not be a bad idea to do a fusion down there sometime and uh allow yeah somebody sent me a message asking about that but again let me just we're just dreaming sometimes, sometimes ideas are good and they're worth kicking around and sometimes they're even born of the spirit but you know somebody has to be in charge of implementing this so let me just say this if we were going to do a fusion in australia with even half the speaker lineup we had uh tickets to australia are not that cheap suddenly we would have some very high airfare costs to get everyone there. We'd have to have them available to do it. We'd have to find a venue. And by the way, big venues in Australia are not that easy to find. There are not that many big churches like there are in the United States. Uh, and I don't know who all would come, but you know, maybe we would gather people from all over the country. I have a lot of contacts 
but but the the bottom line is there's a lot of kind of unique logistical issues that come up if we were to try to bring it there um and the thing i worry about too is we're trying to recreate the experience i don't i don't know if that's possible because sometimes there's what we call a kairos moment there's a there's a moment in the spirit a moment in time where everything kind of works just so could we get that to work in australia i mean I don't think there's any reason it couldn't work in Australia. It just might not be that Kairos moment. And I would hate to go down there and have all this expectation and hype. And then it kind of goes off half cocked and people are like, well, what was all the, what was all the whoopee do about anyway? So I, I think about all that stuff partially because in business, I learned a long time ago, do not overpromise and under deliver. And I wouldn't want to have that happen in Australia. So maybe I wouldn't rule it out out of hand, but I'd really want to think and pray it through. And I'd want to be sure that we had our facilities issues worked out. I'd want to be sure we had, you know, speakers who could commit to it and do it well. We got all that to think about if we were going to take it to Australia. Well, I just think, uh, you know, if you're listening and I know we have a significant, I know now even more audience uh, in Australia, you know, maybe you guys start praying about it. We'll see what happens, see what the Lord does, you know? Just uh, uh, keep that up. Well, uh, Ken, I know you've got a busy day and uh, lots to do. We're doing this pretty early in the morning. And uh, I know you've got uh, to get going. Why don't you tell us a little bit, where, where are you? I think people would be interested in that. Well, as we're making this recording, I'm in Dallas. Uh, Cindy Jacobs every year has a prophetic conference. Um, and I'm I'm here for that. Uh, she breaks it into two parts. It's a gathering of prophets from around the world with whom uh, obviously she has relationship. The first part of it is an invitation type event. And uh, I've seen it be smaller and bigger depending on if it was COVID or not COVID. Uh, but but it's rarely larger than 100 people. Um, and it's intended to be a, a, a summit type meeting where people are sharing the words God is giving them, the things he's showing them. And we vet those and try to figure out what's the Lord speaking to the prophets and you know what's going on. The second half of the week is an open meeting for anyone who chooses to come. Um, it's always held at, at her home church, which is Trinity church in Cedar Hill, Texas. And uh, that's, it's a large mega church. I don't know what the seating capacity is, but it's big. It might be four or 5,000 people. Um, and it's generally filled. Uh, they do stream it. So I think you can buy a, a video ticket if, if, you want to. Um, and I'll be speaking at that uh, larger event the second half of the week. Um, so I'm here. I'm here in Dallas for about a week, believe it or not. I'm, wow. I always say I'm never in any city on earth more than three days at a time. It's not literally true, but it's often true. Um, but here I'll actually be in the Dallas area for about a week. Nice. Nice. Well, and Cindy, I'm, I guess something messed up. I did not get the invitation uh, in the mailbox, I'm, I'm assuming there was something wrong with the mail. So, uh, you know, I'll let it slide this year, uh, for this, uh, top level exclusive prophetic round table, but you know, next year I'll see you there. Thanks Cindy for that. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we will, uh, we'll do that. I'm sure actually, uh, our next little debrief, it'd be really fun, uh, to debrief that, uh, for, for the folks listening, I'm sure several people uh, would love to hear, um, just a debrief of that. You know, I, th I feel like we could do a whole other podcast of just debriefing with Ken 
and uh, from all of the things that you're doing and and uh, the places that you're going. I know people are hungry uh, to hear about what's going on on the earth uh, these days um, as revival is spreading uh, across the world. So uh, maybe we can catch up uh, in a couple of weeks and have a debrief of uh, this conference. Yeah, I'd be happy to do that. Uh, before we sign this one off, I this is not exactly on topic with Fusion, but but I really want to encourage our listeners, please, please, please keep praying about the situation in Israel. Um, obviously, many people are dying, and God loves Palestinians uh, just like he loves Jews or other Gentiles. But the situation that Hamas has created, it, it's almost like they put Israel into checkmate. If they do nothing, um, then Hamas continues on with their... Uh, perfidy and some of you would be aware that to the north there's another group called hezbollah in lebanon and uh, the leader of hezbollah gave a speech on thursday in which he praised hamas for what they had done and commended them for you know dealing as they have with uh, with the jews with the jewish state um, and there there's a rising tension and hostilities going on including the exchange of missile fire between Israel and Lebanon, this could erupt into a wider war. It was widely expected that they that uh, Nasrallah was going to declare war on Israel on Thursday of last week. So this would have been, um, I can't even keep my date straight. Today is the 6th, 5, 4, 3, 2, November the 2nd. Um, it was widely expected he was going to do that. And um, there were a lot of us that are, you know, intercessors and, you know, their interconnected webs of intercessor groups. We were calling out to God. I was up well past two in the morning, well past. I went to bed at 2.07, so I didn't, you know, call it and drop the flag at two. But I was up past two o'clock in the morning um, on Friday um, asking the Lord to have mercy on us because I do not, I, I don't use this language lightly and I am not exaggerating or kidding we were on the brink of World War III uh, on Thursday night, and I fully expected to wake up on Friday morning and for the world to be engulfed in World War III. Yeah. Thank the Lord that didn't happen, but it could happen. I wouldn't say that the danger has passed us. And so, you know, we want a cessation of hostilities. We want those who are guilty of, of outright murder, and I would say barbaric murder. Uh, I want I want them brought to justice. Um, I'd like to see peace established, you know, in the Holy Land. I'm well aware of the biblical prophecies, and I know that, uh, let's say that's easier said than done. And many U.S. presidents have basically broken their foreign policy pick on attempting to bring peace to the Middle East, and uh, nobody has succeeded at it yet. So this is a very difficult problem. And again, easier said than done. But anyway, um, we need to continue praying for that situation, lest it spiral out of control and become something that engulfs the entire world in a global conflict. So with that, I'd like to just pray quickly about that before we close. Again, even though it's not on topic for fusion, it's very much in my mind and on my heart. So, Father, we just come to you 
um, as a community of listeners and believers. And we know that prayer is powerful. And we thank you that we stepped back from the brink of World War III overnight on Thursday last week, uh, coming into Friday morning. And Lord, we just ask that you would restrain the hands of those who are bloodthirsty and who are seeking war and conflict. We ask that the hostilities would recede. We ask that those who are uh, guilty of murder and butchery would be brought to justice. We ask that justice would prevail. Righteousness and truth are the foundations of your throne, and justice and mercy are two of the twin aspects of your character. So we ask for righteousness, justice, and we ask that you would um, intervene in this terrible mess in the Middle East. We ask for comfort for those who have been bereaved, but Father, many of them you know, they don't know you. So how can they find comfort in you? And yet you are the God of all comfort. And uh, we know that you have the ability to come even to those who don't know you. And we don't want to minimize or, I don't know, speak platitudes uh, simply by saying, comfort them, Lord. But we do ask that there would be a profound comfort that would come in the midst of so much bereavement. People are losing sons, daughters, babies, fathers, mothers, cousins, nephews, nieces, uncles, aunts, grandparents. It's just, this is what happens in war. It's why it's horrible and terrible. There are always those who are the innocent bystanders, the collateral damage. And it just, Lord, the nature of the way Hamas has hidden what they have under mosques and schools and hospitals, it's, this is like the worst we've seen probably since the Second World War. And we ask for your help. We just ask for mercy. And we ask that you would bring righteousness and justice to bear. And your word says that you make wars to cease to the ends of the earth. Would you bring peace and the cessation of all of this bloodshed in Jesus' name? Amen. 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 And we will be having uh, continued guests from Israel uh, over the next several weeks uh, that uh, we're checking in with, getting getting um, some more information from. In fact, this morning we were supposed to have one, and they weren't able to join us for uh, great reasons, and they will be here uh, next week. We will reschedule uh, to do that. So we'll continue to keep you posted um, during this time as we continue to reach out to our uh, folks that we have that are there for more insight and prophetic uh, wisdom and how we can continue to pray. Uh, with that, Ken, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Uh, I hope you have a great week and uh, we're going to be um, praying for you here and we will uh, we'll continue to uh, wait for an update. Also, just a reminder, uh, check out the prophetic school um, at Jesus Center in Los Angeles, California. You can find that on their Facebook group. If you want to sign up, Ken Fish and Stark. that's going to be an awesome time into November, 1st of December. So uh, with that, we will look forward to seeing you right back here next week for another piping hot, fresh episode of God is Not a Theory with Ken Fish. Giving Tuesday is right around the corner. If you are blessed by the content on this podcast, please pay it forward and click on the donation link in the description of this episode. To support Ken directly, you can select the Ken Fish Support Fund in the dropdown. 
Or, if you would like to give to support the rest of the team, select the general fund. Thank you so much for your consideration. We are deeply grateful to all of our financial partners.